0: First of all, Egon, what was that music you were playing right before the intro?
1: That was um, from the Cold Mountain soundtrack. Um, God, I don't even remember the band's name. But, you know, one of those old-timey T-Bone Burnett sort of jams. I got you.
0: (laughs) I remember that movie. I thought that movie was kind of entertaining. Live from late capitalism, where we know the price of everything, but the value of nothing. This is Hell Yesterday, we were speaking with Sylvia Kay, co-author and Hamza Hamushan, editor of the Transnational Institute report Towards a Just Recovery from the COVID-19 Crisis, the Urgent Struggle for Food Sovereignty in North Africa. That report is on the pandemic revealing the vulnerabilities of the current global food system based on exports and industrial agriculture. Toward the end of that conversation, Hamza described how small-scale farmers working outside of that unfair and unequal market Are criminalized as if it is against the law to not be captured by capitalism in the market Traditional farming, a bedrock of North African culture and history Is not the only place where alternatives to capitalism are being criminalized Last year there was Seattle's Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone Also known as the CHOP or Capitol Hill Organized Protest Which was an attempt at creating a future without police Previous to that was Brazil's movement of landless workers Which foresees the possibility of public land ownership and stewardship And then there's the Freetown Christiana uh, movement in Copenhagen Whose 1971 mission statement said The objective of Christiana is to create a self-governing society Whereby each and every individual holds themselves responsible Over the well-being of the entire community Our society is to be economically self-sustaining And as such, our aspiration is to be steadfast in our conviction that psychological and physical destitution can be averted These are all what are known as zones to defend, or the French abbreviation ZADs At least four still operate in France, including the one our guest will be discussing today In Notre-Dame-des-Land, outside the city of Nantes The pandemic has revealed yet again that contemporary globalized capitalism fail society in times of crisis and with climate change getting worse there's a lot of crisis in our future as fast as we need to build an infrastructure to best address the outcomes of climate change we need new politics that are not like the politics that got us here in the first place yes these attempts may have been criminalized and repeated targets of state force through the police but there must be an alternative and we are going to need it pretty damn soon in a few minutes We'll return to the ZAD we discussed back in 2018 When we will be speaking with activist scholar Stellan Vintagen, Co-author of the Roar magazine article The ZAD Between Utopian Radicalism And negotiated pragmatism Stellan is an activist scholar, professor of sociology And director of the Resistance Studies Initiative At the University of Massachusetts in Amherst Where he is endowed chair in the study of nonviolent direct action and civil resistance Stellan is also active in War Resisters International You can find out more about War Resisters International at wri-irg.org and you can uh, follow Stellan on Twitter at S. V-I-N-T-H-A-G-E-N. Stellan co-wrote this work with ethnographer, activist, and associate professor of sociology at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, Farine Parvez. I'm your bitter, blind, broke, Gaptooth radio show host, Chuck Mertz. It's Tuesday, which means producing today's show is Egon Sheely. I was going to say anything new by you outside of this being your last show that you'll be running the board on.
1: Oh, don't remind me, Chuck. It's a, it's a sad day over here in in Boardland. I gotta say, um, you know, everything is new for me right now. I'm this is my last show because I'm starting a new job at the Field Museum uh, on the 18th. I'm also getting married on the 11th, so it's like you know, it's like at times in your life where it's like, oh, this feels like a new chapter. This feels like a whole new book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, what's your job going to be at the Field Museum, or don't you want to say? <laughs>
1: No, I I can divulge that information. I think it's fine. I'm going to be a a project manager, so I'll be working in the exhibitions department. Um, I basically have been working in exhibits and museums for like 15 years. So this is kind of an extension on that, and I'll be working with them, uh, helping the traveling exhibitions team. They got a bunch, you know, like Sue travels and all this stuff. Um, you know, as well as just taking care of the day-to-day. Um, did you go to school for museum studies or anything like that? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I have the proverbial art degree, which I feel like you need to work in museums. Right. Uh, and then I did get my master's at SAIC in arts administration and art history. So, Another graduate of SAIC, like my girlfriend is. You me... know, it's, outside of the piece of paper, I suppose you could write notes on it. It's not worth <laughs> much. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs>
0: Uh, So it's been great having you on the show I really appreciate it And I hope to work with you in the future again Especially when it comes to booking bands for the anniversary party
1: Chuck, it's been an honor I mean, this is like literally the only good show on radio these days (laughs) We're not even
0: that much on radio anymore
1: (laughs) Hey, WNUR still counts
0: So here's what's new by me I'm pretty sure there's a stolen car in an abandoned lot at the corner. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, Egon. It's like the one on the. It's like on the sidewalk. Uh, no, it's in the abandoned lot, what's fenced in here at the corner. It, I, I, it, it's like it's like 50 yards from here where we're sitting right now. I think.
1: think I think I saw it. It's yeah. a
0: Chevy Malibu, I think, which is weird because. Malibu was crushed by a massive meteorite during this week in Rotten History, which we do every Monday. Hat tip to Ronaldo Magaldi on that, by the way. But the abandoned lot is completely surrounded by fencing, as required by city law, and there's no sign of any gate. So how the car got into the abandoned lot, I have no freaking idea. Also, I'm legally blind, and even I can tell that that car has no license plates whatsoever. But here's the kicker. It's been there for close to a month, and the police have done nothing. I think it's over a month now My curiosity over how the car got inside that fence And if it is stolen or simply abandoned Have now been overwhelmed by my curiosity As to how long the cops will allow this clearly stolen car To sit there undisturbed except by the forces of nature And I'm obsessed with it because I'm trying to figure out How I can get inside that fencing And plaster that Malibu with This is hell subvertising stickers that you can get by becoming a subscriber to our weekly Friday Patreon podcast at patreon.com slash hell But more importantly than any of that, I know it's hard to imagine that there's something more important than an abandoned stolen car inside of an abandoned lot. But Egon, what's this week's question from hell for our listening audience?
1: This week's Question from Hell is, what is Bill Gates going to do with 269,000 acres of U.S. farmland?
0: I can't wait to give my answer at the end of tomorrow's show, because I think it's going to be the winning answer to this week's Question from Hell. The person with our favorite answer to this week's Question from Hell will be me, but if it isn't, that person will win your choice of whatever This Is Hell swag you want. You can check out all our merchandise right now by going to thisishell.com and clicking on support, where you will see all the ways you could get. Tribute to completely Listener supported This is hell Remember without you We got nothing So thanks to all of you For your support We don't take any Commercial or foundation money All of our resources Come directly from you You can leave your answer To this week's question From hell At our Facebook page Facebook.com Slash thisishellradio You can direct message it To us via Twitter At thisishellradio Or you can email it To us at chuck At hell.com. But we must have the an- Your answer By the end of Tomorrow's Wednesday show When we are announcing This week's winner following jeff dorchin in the moment of truth this week jeff identifies an heinous example of missing white women syndrome (laughs) missing white woman syndrome derangement syndrome that's a toughie egon will have more of your answers to this week's question from Hell. following our conversation with stellan on the death of the zad being greatly exaggerated we got an email from Jessica who has a guest suggestion And if you would like to suggest a guest Email me at chuck at this is And we'll likely read your recommendation on air If we have your suggested guest on the show While speaking with them We will give a shout out to you for your exceptional advice Jessica writes I'm obsessed with the topic of work And have listened to y'all's F-Work playlist on SoundCloud About 32 times I'm always interested in potential interviews that could be added to that playlist. Deep apologies that the source of this recommendation is the New York Times. Jessica then sends a link to the article. The pandemic reminded us we exist to do more than just work. We now have a space to reimagine how a job fits into a good life. This piece is by Jonathan Malesic, whose bio states that he is a writer and a former academic, sushi chef. And parking lot attendant Who holds a PhD in religious studies He's the author of the forthcoming book The End of Burnout Why work drains us And how to build better lives From which this essay is adapted So we were going to pursue an interview With the author of the article But Jessica, we are going to wait now Until the book comes out in January Because get this At the University of California press page For The End of Burnout It says We can look to communities of monks Employees of a Dallas nonprofit, intense hobbyists, and artists with disabilities to see the possibilities for resisting a total work environment and the paths to recognizing the dignity of workers and non workers alike. Hey, I'm an artist with a disability, if you consider what I do art, and as any artist, if you say it's art, then that makes it art, so I say it's art, which makes me very even more curious about Jonathan's writing. Not only that, but I was also a parking lot attendant So maybe Jonathan and I can discuss the fineries of sitting in a booth While inhaling carbon monoxide all day There's a couple other things I need to mention about Jessica's email First, the F-Work playlist It's actually called the Against Work playlist And you can find it on SoundCloud But I like Jessica's name better, F-Work is way better So you can find it on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com Slash this hyphen is Hyphen hell Slash sets Slash against Hyphen work I know It's very difficult On that playlist Are eight interviews That Alex has titled On the meaning And meaning One of them is On the meaning And meaninglessness Of our BS jobs An interview we did With David Graver Wages for pain A conversation we had With Aaron Neiman F work Which is a talk we Had with James Livingston And probably why Jessica thought That was the name Of the playlist not Working with Ava Swidler The Case Against Work with David Fraying, Which is probably why Alex titled the list Against Work And a conversation with Ryan and Colvin Called Claiming Control of Work And Wage Requires a Radical Imagination And a couple of correspondence reports Called The Case Against Work with Ed Sutton And The Forever Strike with David Scalander That's the Against Work playlist Which you can find at soundcloud.com I'm not going to read that whole URL again It's a pain in the ass But I want to share with you the last communication we received from Jessica This is the one previous to the email we just got This is from last November And it made my and my girlfriend's Thanksgiving Jessica wrote back then Do you do sports betting on the American Dog Show? A effing standard poodle just won the top spot in the non-sporting group I'm betting that A-hole is going to win best in show. Again, a effing standard boodle just won the top spot in the non-sporting group. I'm betting that A-hole is going to win best in show. Now, that's dog show analysis. So, thanks, Jessica, for the guest suggestion. The disabled artist, this disabled artist, will do his best to have the former parking lot attendant, Jonathan Malesic, author of The End of Burnout, on the show early next year when it is published. Everybody should check out the Against Work playlist on SoundCloud. And I ca- cannot wait for Jessica's take on this year's dog show next month. Coming up, another end of the world is possible. If, I'm sorry, another world is possible If it were not criminalized I should say Egon will have more of your answers to this week's question from hell Which is, what is Bill Gates Going to do with 269,000 acres of U.S. farmland The person with our favorite answer to this week's question Wins whatever Choice of This Is Hell swag you want Just go to thisishell.com and click on support To see all the ways you can support This Is Hell Leave your uh, your answer on our Facebook page, direct message it to us Via Twitter, email it to us, but we must have Your answer by the end of tomorrow's show And uh, we also have a few more Emails to share, a guest suggestion That's not a suggestion after all And we heard from the Colorado Springs listeners who recently visited Chicago and I gave a Tour of this here studio and I'll tell you How you can do the same Money is the root of all evil And capitalism is all about money So you do the math This is hell. Around the world Landless movements are reclaiming lands Taken from them by the state And imagining a future of self-governance And self-reliance Outside of the destabilizing And often violent fluctuations Of globalized capitalism Here to take us on a tour Of the zones to defend So we may have a possible Glimpse at the future Activist scholar Stellan Vintagen Is co-author Of the Roar magazine Article The Zad Between utopian Radicalism And negotiated Pragmatism Which he wrote With sociologist Farin Parvez Welcome to This is Hell Stellan
2: Thank you very much It's great to be On the this is Hell Chicago radio. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you very much. Fellow. Uh, you can follow uh, Stalin on Twitter at S Hagen. So you write that the global coronavirus has brought into sharp relief the many failures of contemporary capitalist states around the globe. These include the failure to ensure social and economic justice and to provide basic protections for the most vulnerable individuals and communities from refugees to the homeless. The pandemic has had an outsized impact on the most vulnerable, while the wealthiest were the least affected, with some expanding or making fortunes because of COVID-19. Stellan, how sustainable are contemporary capitalist states around the globe that fail the vulnerable but still enrich the wealthy? Won't the market simply continue to go unchallenged as long as it does provide for the rich and the powerful?
2: Well um i think we can say from two ways that uh, on the one hand fundamentally there it's not sustainable at all because um this uh, form of um, uh, unlimited world capitalism is is uh, destroying its all own, own fundamental basis of resources which is the environment um but on the other hand We have seen how creative capitalism is in reinventing itself. Um, I think one of the uh, absolute ironies is is when capitalism creates the climate crisis and then we have um, capitalism creating a market for trading with rights of uh, emissions. Um, So I think uh, we should expect capitalism to uh, be uh, creative and invent themselves into being the savior of the environment and the climate in future. But of course, that's not sustainable.
0: Right. And do you think, is capitalism capitalism's biggest enemy?
2: Um, Well... (laughs) I'm hoping that um, people and our uprisings against the um, capitalist um, alienations and exploitations are the biggest enemy um, in the end of the day, but yes, um, being for unlimited growth on a limited planet makes capitalist it's, its enemy of itself. Yes.
0: You write that the pandemic has also made clear the need for social movements to not only resist the violence of the state and its facilitation of global capitalism, but to simultaneously and actively build a prefigurative politics toward an alternative society. Carving out autonomous spaces for mutual aid and radical politics is more important than ever. But when we get back to normal, I hate that phrase, just It's just the framing for this question. But when we get back to normal, will we need mutual aid? Isn't mutual aid in something that is... Isn't that something only practice and radical politics, something that is only necessary in times of crisis? I mean, once this crisis is over with everyone vaccinated, Stellan, will we need mutual aid or radical politics?
2: Absolutely. Uh, We will need it more than ever um, because... um, As long as we rely on the state and capitalism to provide uh, our livelihood, um, we are not going to be able to replace it with something more fundamentally uh, democratic and sustainable. So we need to develop forms of mutual aid. It it obviously happens in communities that are struggling for survival, and it's always been there as a a means of um, of dignity and, and survival for communities that don't have the kind of uh, uh, naive expectations as, as middle class might have on, on the state and the capitalist to provide uh, for their life. But it needs to be developed. And I think um, what we see with autonomous struggles like uh, the SAD in, in France is an example of people trying to develop it to a new level.
0: You write that among the multitude of ways movements engage in prefigurative politics, land occupation struggles have long been central, from the historic maroon communities formed by fugitive slaves through Latin America, the long standing acampamentos of the landless workers movement in Brazil, to the short lived Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in Seattle in the aftermath of the uprising in response to the murder of George Floyd. Has land occupation proven effective, Stellan, in confronting the contemporary capitalist state?
2: Well, so far it's been proven uh, very effective uh, on a local level for particular communities and for temporary periods um, in needs of survival. But no, it hasn't been um, particularly effective on any kind of a national scale or a, a, a global scale. So um, that's where we need a lot of work when it comes to developing visions and developing networks of solidarity with um, those kind of communities that um, all over the world, in Asia, Africa, and Latin America, and also, uh, as sad proves, in, even in Europe and, and in the United States, we find these kind of communities struggling. But they they are very vulnerable if they are not receiving the solidarity uh, of uh, other struggling uh, groups.
0: Uh, The short-lived Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in Seattle that you mentioned was reported in the media as having failed because police were needed in the police-free area as violence began occurring inside what was called the CHOP. This led to pundits in the media saying that the Autonomous Zone was a failed experiment and therefore we need police. It proves that the need for police. How much of a challenge to land occupations is violence from within? Do autonomous zones fail from their own internal violence, proving the need for police, as the media was saying here in the States with the collapse of the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone?
2: No, that's um, that's a media uh, construction. Um, I don't know the particular situation in, in Seattle. I haven't studied it in in, in any careful way, but the typical pattern is not like that um the typical pattern is that these communities when they are being destroyed they are destroyed from outside from paramilitary groups uh, from fascist attacks uh, from from uh, riot police in in military gear uh, attacking these communities and uh, that's what we have seen from uh, at least from the Paris uh, Commune uh, in in the early 19th uh, or the end of the 19th century, um, we have seen it in the attacks against the Zapatistas, uh, the indigenous communities in southern Mexico that are doing the same kind of reappropriation of land as 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 sad in France.
0: And you also point out that one such movement, relatively unknown outside of France. Is the zone to defend the ZAD in Western France, located in the commune of notre dame de Lande outside the city of Nantes. The ZAD is the largest of dozens of occupation zones in France. And when I looked it up on, uh, online, I found that there were four operating ZADs within France right now. Are there more than four?
2: Um. I haven't detailed study that either, but uh, there has been over periods, uh, dozens of them, um, that were inspired. Um, we have also seen similar uh, attempts at other countries in, in Europe. Um, there might be only four now, I'm not sure.
0: So we discussed the, this specific ZAD that you actually visited. But was We discussed it back in uh, March 2018 when we spoke with writer Pearl Ahrens about an article she had at Salvage, a free zone unlike any other. Pearl had gone to the ZAD in 2016 and helped 70 carpenters build a hangar. How well, well known are these ZADs within France? Are they out of sight, out of mind? Does the media report on them?
2: Yeah, so um, particularly during confrontations, um, there were uh, a couple of them, a major one in 2012 and then uh, uh, other ones. But um, then there has been widely um, documented in in even mainstream media and discussed in in the parliament in Paris. Um, So then it has been very known. What is typical with these kind of places is that when they are doing their work in building up their different alternatives um, socially, politically, economically, uh, they don't get media attention because there isn't, like, confrontations. Um, But when there are confrontations and they happen from time to time, uh, they get media attention. But very often, bad media attention because... As we know, mass media is, is, uh, is a corporate uh, business sector and uh, the reasons why people are doing this uh, is hard to um, get out uh, outside of social media and alternative media channels.
0: So let's talk about why this ZAD was taking place. You write how the ZAD originated as an anti-development project opposing the construction of an international airport. And it survives to this day despite repeated efforts by the state to crush the ZAD. So if it originated as an anti-development campaign, what has it evolved into? Has it evolved into something else?
2: Yes, you, you could say that um, the, the, the origin was the, the struggle against the airport. But um, it's not just about the airport then. It was about uh, the whole uh, major development project, which was part of a particular kind of society and its capitalist um, um, approach to, to nature and life. So it gathered a broad range of uh, environmentalists um, and uh, local peasants and uh, radicals, m- militants from uh, house occupation scenes uh, in urban areas that, that created a powerful alliance. And um, in that, when they decided to occupy the land in, in 2009, um There were an alliance between, particularly those radical activists that wanted to create a prefigurative society on the occupied land, and the uh, farmers living in the area that were uh, keen on keeping their farmland, of course, and and their way of life. So you could say then that there was a broad alliance uh, uh, bringing in um, numerous NGOs and and. Um, conventional more liberal kind of uh, uh, activists that were concerned about the airport but but then you got this um radical group of uh, several hundreds of people that were living on the land that were experimenting with creating a socialist society an alternative to uh the dependency on the state and capitalist that that we otherwise um, are living with
0: you write that nearly 50 years ago, local opposition emerged to a plan for a major international airport in Notre-Dame-de-Lande to be owned in part by private capital heavily subsidized by the state. Opposition began with the formation of associations, organized organizing meetings, publishing articles, and discussing the project with elected officials. Over the ensuing decades, it developed into a unique coalition of farmers and anti-corporate and environmental activists mobilized in the anti-airport struggle and gradually becoming more radical in their rejection of the project. So I just got to tell you this, Stellan. Wikipedia states the ZAD, the one that you're talking about, the one in notre dame de L'Ande, is bitterly, this is a quote, bitterly opposed by local farmers and environmentalists. This, the claim is they are upset by the people ZADs attract. So is the ZAD in notre dame de L'Ande opposed by both farmers and environmentalists alike because of the people these actions attract. Is that an accurate statement at Wikipedia?
2: No, I would say it's, it's not accurate. Um, I'm sure there are, um, if we make a class analysis here, I'm sure there are farmers that are bitterly opposed to uh, the social experiment going on that's sad because they are uh, large-scale farmers uh, heavily integrated into um, a capitalist economy and and they are not in favor of this of course right Uh, and then you will have those environmentalists that are not anti-capitalists it might sound strange but um, actually a lot of the people within the environmental movement uh, don't really uh, question capitalism itself but they see the solutions in green technology and and um, other forms of uh, reforms uh, within uh, capitalism and they they um, they are then of course troubled by the radical critique uh that emanate from from uh, uh sad uh so uh you have locally small-scale farmers uh that see the value of what these uh, experiments are all about um and particularly in France where you have more of family farms you find you find support of sad right but then we have to recognize that uh particularly today a lot of the agriculture is is deeply integrated into a capitalist world economy.
0: To you, I just thought of this while you were answering the question. To you, what explains why environmentalism isn't inherently anti-capitalist?
2: Yeah. Well, um, I'm not sure I'm I'm able to really uh, say something about that because to me it's 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 a paradox, but. um um i think um it's it's built on the idea that uh, you have a technology optimism, the idea that we can find ways of um uh, refining our ways of uh, production and consumption in such ways that um, we can um, find uh, an existence within um the ecological limits um but to me, it's it's based on on or really not looking at how fundamentally um, capitalism is exploiting the, the the very foundation of of nature and life itself, not just humans and workers in general, but um, the whole climate as we know now. Um, so. I can't say anything else than that it it seems to be built on on an optimism on technology.
0: We are speaking with activist scholar, Stellan Vintagen. He is co-author of the Roar magazine article, The Zad Between Utopian Radicalism and Negotiated Pragmatism, which he wrote with Farine Parvez. So you also write that in addition to the use of all-out force, contemporary states have also increasingly turned to other tactics to undermine the Zad, as public opinion and human rights regimes pressure states to use legitimate and proportional means, they utilize legal, bureaucratic, and ideological repression to seduce, manipulate, and forcibly incorporate movements into the system. We have seen this at work against urban squatters and rural land occupations around the world where states employ a broad repertoire of tactics from co-opting leaders to promoting gentrification. Ultimately, though, it is the threat of violence that makes such legal bureaucratic strategies viable. The story of the ZAD repeats many of these patterns. So is what you call legal, bureaucratic, and ideological repression legitimate and proportional and a more humane way to force those who do not want to be part of the system into the system? Is this process any more or less humane than force?
2: No, it's not. It's just much more sophisticated and clever. Um, It's... um, it's the same end result with other means and um, i just think it's important that we um, uh, see that um, the state is acting in um, its role of facilitating um, capitalism uh, in in ways that are also sophisticated Um, and one of the ways they're doing this uh, is um, this this creation of le- um, an appearance of legitimacy is by, for example, portraying some activists that are occupying um, land, like in this case in Saad, as being reasonable, peaceful, and cooperative, whereas others are portrayed as being criminal, Uh, violent, and terrorists. And by creating these kind of divisions, uh, they are able to force some into collaborations uh, because the collaboration is is then seen as necessary, pragmatically necessary, because it's a matter of survival. But um, this is... um, this is a way to force an integration into uh, a state and capitalist controlled uh, system and it needs to be recognized as such um, by by people that that see it happen Um, it's just that it doesn't create the same kind of critique of the state as when you have militarized riot police that are beating up even uh, uh liberal uh, environmentalists uh, as when there were 40,000 uh, activists from all over France defending SaAD during a, a mass police raid in, in 2012, um, the, the critique was so strong that um, the state needed to withdraw the, uh, the police. But the critique was because there was such a brutal methods being used so that's in the light of that we need to understand why and how the state is operating with other means as well and our conclusion in 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 this is that activists also needs to recognize that different stages in the struggle uh, needs to adopt different forms of resistance
0: So you also point out that the the zad also raises questions about the role of unity in radical struggle, as well as the effectiveness of specific land occupation strategies. Is it enough to share a common enemy in this case, an airport development project, or must members share the same vision of? Prefigurative politics as the French France State attempts to incorporate The remains of the ZAD into a vision of Rural capitalist development as always With the backing of police violence How do members continue their struggle Where are the cracks within the repressive State capitalist system that radical activists Can use to their advantage And for their survival The remains of the ZAD what, what, What's left of the ZAD at this point point? And what, what, happened, uh, what happened To lessen its presence
2: Well, basically, you can say that half of SAD was destroyed by bulldozers and the riot police. And people were uh, forcibly evicted. A lot of people were wounded, put in prison. Um, But uh, the other half uh, negotiated then um, agreements with the state to run... um, different forms of agricultural projects on the land, and that was uh, the prize to uh, be able to remain on the land.
0: But even though they're remaining on the land, the, you know, pref- prefigurative politics, uh, that means a politics that reflects the future society being sought by those engaged in it, within the ZAD are those prefigurative politics of a future si- society still being experimented with, attempted and even put into practice, or has have these concessions with the state uh, derailed the project?
2: Absolutely, they are continuing. And that's, that's our main point, that uh, it, it's a mistake to uh, dismiss uh, this now as being a failed uh, experiment, a, a radical project that, that was crushed, uh, people are continuing to build up alternatives. People are trying to find ways of circumventing, manipulating and undermining the these uh, legal bureaucratic means of the state. Um, you mentioned, for example, Christiania um, in, in Denmark, in Copenhagen. Uh, they made a very clever move that um, actually has inspired the people at SAD. So uh let me just say that the 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 state tried in denmark to force um and and to um um make people uh tempted uh when they were saying you will get individual rights to your property your house and and you have to sign property deals And then they were expecting that people would be tempted by the the high value because this uh, land is situated in the center of Copenhagen. uh, And they would sell it. And in this way, they would destroy the experiment of the free state in Christiania. But the thing is, people signed it individually, and then they gave it over to a cooperative. So they had a collective structure, and they actually had the legal papers of property ownership after this happened and that was with the help of clever legal manipulation of the intentions of the state in Denmark. So that's how the Christiania continues to exist. So we should never underestimate the possibilities of having a broad repertoire of clever uh, forms of resistance and that's what people at least are trying inside today. It's, it's, it's an open question, and we will see with time how much they succeed. But they do that, and they also continue with a number of other things, like they have their, their ambassada, which is a meeting place where radical um, autonomous struggles from other countries are coming and sharing experiences, developing knowledge together, and they do a number of other things as well.
0: You write, on the occupied territory, a new utopian society based entirely on shared participation and a collective sense of ownership eventually emerged in the ZAD. What is meant, this is something because here in the States people don't hear this a lot, what is meant by a collective sense of ownership? Does everybody have to give up all of their stuff?
2: Well, uh, no, not not uh, the private things you carry around with yourself and, and having your... your your little house, or or so, but uh, but the the means of production. So cooperatives is is a is a collective form where you produce together and you share what you uh, gain from it. You share the work. Uh, the land is is owned together. Um, so. This is a matter of reappropriation uh, of collective ways and organizational forms of the resources and the means of production that is so central for capitalism. And land is and remains to be a very key resource to uh, reappropriate for radical socialist movements.
0: So, uh, getting back to the uh, violent police response by the state. Were were those violent eviction attempts, were, were they politically popular until they actually took place uh, and the public turned on the state? Or was the idea of clearing the ZAD through police violence always an unpopular idea prior to the attempt, during it, and after? Was was this in any way, this violent response to the ZAD, a politic, uh, politically popular move by the state?
2: Well you will always have sectors of society that um support these kind of um, violent attacks um of course um but no it it wasn't uh, popular um when it was the common enemy of the airport and you had this broad alliance and thousands of people were acting in support on the ground as well as around in in France um because then it was seen as a struggle against um, one of the um, even unnecessary uh, large develop- development projects that was only benefiting big corporations. But it became more um, um, acceptable, I would say, uh, with the, 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 the police attacks uh, in 2018 after that the French state decided to abolish the plan of the airport. Right. Then it was only those that had the radical capitalist critique and were interested in a social visionary experiment uh, on the land that were ready to uh, support them. And then they became more isolated, I would say
0: you write that anti-capitalist occupation struggles like the ZAD, at some point they all grapple with the question of how to realize their revolutionary ambitions while confronting the necessity of compromising with the state and its bureaucracy. So what impact does that compromise have on revolutionary ambitions? Is, is this the first step toward what you called the legal bureaucratic and ideological repression to seduce, manipulate, and forcibly incorporate movements into the system? Do, do the Does that revolutionary ambition disappear when compromises are made with the state to any degree?
2: So I think that's kind of the main uh, point we want to make in, in the article, me and Farine, and that is that um, if we can anticipate that this is going to happen at some point, uh, because the state is still there, world capitalism is still there, uh, there will be a point when you have to do a compromise you could still be carried by your revolutionary visions of creating a different society, but you would see that, okay, so now we are in a stage where we need to battle with a whole other enemy, which is the uh, legal bureaucratic means of the state. So then we need other tools to struggle there and we need to have other strategies. That's, that's what uh, we find so hopeful uh, in, in the remains of, of, um, of uh, the occupation uh, is is that people are still trying to do that? I don't think it is is a matter of, of um, that you cannot be revolutionary anymore. It's just that you need to have a different strategy. You need to struggle with other means, and you need to see that the struggle is long term. Um, and I think it's pretty pretty naive uh, to believe that uh, you could either uh, create a full-scale local uh, revolution at one place uh, without it being connected to a global struggle. Um, but it's also uh, naive to believe that just because people are being temporarily um, beaten by the strong forces of the state, that, that they would then uh, have to be uh, reformist and incorporated. That's just the aim of the state. Um, We still have agency if we want to create radical prefigurative politics, it's just that we need to recognize the different stages of the struggle.
0: You write that instituting a system of individual leases and marketization could profoundly disrupt and corrupt the Zad's vision of an anti-capitalist collective and undermine the diverse ways of life that constitute its prefigurative politics. The new legal requirements would force people to work all day in a specialized agricultural field under the hierarchy of one owner, undercutting the leisure and freedom that they value in their principled rejection of specialization. Bureaucratic codes requiring proper... Construction for homes would obstruct the artful cabins and yurts that occupants have lovingly constructed and reconstructed over years. Above all, the concept of individual tenancy clashed with all that the ZAD had stood for. Reinforcing the principle of individualism is arguably the key to the state's hegemony. So, Stalin, why doesn't individualism challenge the dominance the state has over us?
2: Well um we have to recognize that um the state is a very powerful institution um and it's um it's a system that is bringing people into uh, a forced incorporation into world capitalist system um and as long as we are individuals uh we are thinking according to individual interests and individual strategies, uh, and we will be easily uh, dealt with within that system. We could perhaps, uh, some people, some few people will succeed within that system. Most people would lose on it and be exploited um, um, by it. But it's only if we are uh, collectively organized and, and collectively develop alternatives and visions that we will have any kind of chance of, of at least creating a dual power, uh, a competition with, with the state and its capital formations.
0: You also point out that we shared numerous conversations when you visited the ZAD in Notre Dame, uh, outside of Nantes. Um, We shared numerous conversations with residents about the danger of the ZAD becoming so immersed in the world of ecology and farming. That they lose sight of their radical political imagination guarding against this requires consciously maintaining the solidarity actions they embraced over the projects many years this includes donating meals to migrant workers and those on strike and welcoming refugees and those denied asylum an act that prefigures a society based on solidarity and challenges the laws of citizenship and borders can survival can the, the strive for survival distract the people within the ZAD from their prefigurative politics they set out to practice. How difficult is it to keep those politics moving forward while you're just trying to survive?
2: Well, yes. Um, You have to make compromises when you're in a situation of survival, but... um, I think it's a matter of keeping uh, your vision alive and even develop your, your vision of what kind of prefigurative society it, it is you're trying to, to do. I mean, uh, we, we also noted that there, there is um, already in, in the period when they were uh, able to um, keep the police forces and the state away, uh, it was very much of a white project um so in France that is a very uh, plural society and where um, Muslim uh, and poor uh, urban communities have been victims of police violence regularly uh, over the years um, it's it's necessary for for sad also to develop um, a plural mu- multitude of, of people and voices uh, on uh, their their um, their experiment and so i think um, it is difficult when when you're in a survival mood but it's a matter of having visions and i think what what was possible for the strong workers movements that we have seen the socialist mobilizations we have seen uh, in europe and throughout um, the um, anti-colonial struggles um, historically i think was that they were carried by a vision they had an idea of a different society, and and many many movements today have lost the visions. They're only into pragmatic politics of changing a, a single law or or influencing the state. Um, but as the anti-colonial movement have shown, uh, and the history of the workers' movement is that the state power is a trap, um, and and therefore developing divisions is necessary even uh, in a survival situation and you know frankly where do i find the most inspiring um struggles of resistance well that tend to be about uh, among the rural poor and the urban poor in the global south and they are constantly fighting for survival And one of the things that are key for the landless movement, which is probably the strongest movement in in Latin America today, uh, is that they fight for the daily survival of the the, the poor by agricultural products and cooperatives, while they also develop their vision of a different Brazil. So it's possible.
0: You mentioned that in her recent essay on the ZAD, French researcher and filmmaker Amandine Gay writes of the, as you were saying, the crisis of a white utopia, pointing out the ways in which French leftist movements have remained blind to the dynamics of racial domination, no matter how deep their political commitments run, based on her history with leftist ecological movement spaces and her own visit to the ZAD. She notes the lack of ties with communities of color in surrounding towns as well as lack of attention within the ZAD to black agricultural workers from Martinique and Guadeloupe, or to indigenous land struggles in French Guiana. The result is a reproduction of a diffuse ancestral violence. In your opinion, why does that persist? And how can the crisis of a white utopia be addressed? How can that diffuse ancestral violence be overcome?
2: Well, Um, I think it's kind of uh, um, a natural consequence if uh, we are not building trust and relationships of survival and struggles in the daily life um, in uh, periods when it's possible. When, then when there exist um, threats and, and a crisis, it, it, it will even be more difficult to create this kind of uh, connections. So um, it's, it's very common. You see that also in the, um, in the climate movement uh, in Europe and, and America, that it's, it tends to be very wide. And despite that, it's indigenous communities and people of color that are much more affected by the consequences of the climate crisis. So you need to make a conscious effort um, to build that kind of trust relations and collaborations um, whenever that is possible. Uh, It's it's not just happening by itself in, in a society that is deeply racist as as the um, the colonial uh um, france or 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 the settler colonial uh country of the united states
0: and you write that residents were in the zed were certainly aware that the reality of police violence for example was Only popularly uh, condemned When they, white activists from the Zad or the Yellow Vest movement, were the targets They admitted that the decades of police Violence against working class youth of color Scarcely drew public attention But it was less clear How central these concerns were To their political activism, let alone Other issues such as the stigma And increasing persecution of Muslims in France This type of colorblind and religion blind racism or, originating in the state in fact permeates french social movements and political organizations whether the communist party or the laves what do you mean by this cuz i want you to expand on this what do you mean by this colorblind and religion blind racism cuz i want to know what we we need to avoid
2: right uh, so um this, this is the area where my colleague, Farine Parvez, is the expert. She's done a lot of research uh, among uh, Muslim communities in France. Um, so um, I, I will do my best to say something about it. But uh, I recognize in France something similar that I see in, in Sweden, where I happen to be born and and united states and that is the idea that um, colonial racist relations when they were brutal and obvious in the form of uh, control of the territories overseas and in slavery or segregation is seen as something that is uh historical it's not happening anymore so the idea of of a post-racial um colorblind united states or sweden or france is very strong today despite that if you look just superficially on the statistics of the the um, the health education employment of of black and people of color you would see that racism is pervasive and systematic still going on right so if you are then mobilizing a movement that is trying to uh, create socialism and you don't take in racism as being core to that vision, you're going to act as if racism is not part of um, the, the problems you need to overcome. And, and I, I want to say that people at sad they were actually very much acting in solidarity with migrant communities and the the palestinian struggle and all that so it's not that they were ignoring the issue it's just that they may didn't make anti-racism anti racism a core of the vision of what they were trying to achieve
0: Well, so, you know, we've been talking about the ZAD and its relatively minimal participation in capitalism and the goals of not participating within the market and the challenges in doing so. Uh, Stalin, how difficult is it to not participate within white supremacy, privilege, and whiteness more generally?
2: Well, if you, like me, come from a white background, and... you, you can you can act out your privilege by thinking that uh, and acting as if racism is not uh, a core problem but the the thing is that capitalism is racialized and and the state is racialized so um, it, it needs to be part of a, a, a vision we have and and I think we need to do our homework we need we need to look at, the realities and the experiences of uh, Black, Indigenous, and people of color um, when we are developing our uh, analysis of society and therefore also the visions. So um, it is, it is um, uh, easy for white people to pretend that racism is not an important issue um, but if you are not white it you can't ignore it it's it's a daily daily experience so uh, I think we need to build it in to our um analysis and our visions as a conscious effort and it that is one of the the, the problems that exist with with uh, the history of uh, of radical Politics in, in in North America and, and Europe, it's it's like race race has not been as important as as class.
0: So, uh, Sallin, just a couple more questions for you. What impact has COVID nineteen had on the ZAD? Did the did the state use emergency measures meant to stop the virus? Did they weaponize those same kind of emergency measures measures against the ZAD?
2: Um i haven't seen uh that they have done that um probably because they they were able to force sad um, to the point of negotiations um already before um the, the 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 pandemic but certainly we have seen it generally in in dealings with uh, with radical uh movements uh, how, uh, the, the state has created as the same as with 9 11, uh, the crisis situation to develop, uh, means of authority, uh, of, of creeping authoritarianism, uh, with surveillance and, 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 um, uh, possibilities to, to control populations, which are necessary in, 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 in a pandemic. Um, some of this, but is used by uh, political economic elites as an opportunity to um, increase their capacities. So I think we have to be very clear about that, um, that it's a typical pattern that some researchers have shown that we we create, uh, or the state creates, um, emergency uh, measures and laws and policies during a crisis, but then they tend to become permanent.
0: We have been speaking with activist scholars. Stellan Vintagen, co-author of the Roar magazine article, The Zad Between Utopian Radicalism and Negotiated Pragmatism. Stellan co-wrote this work with ethnographer, activist, and associate professor of sociology at the University of Massachusetts, Amherst, Farine Parvez. You can follow Stellan on Twitter at S. Vintagin. Stellan is professor of sociology as well and director of the Resistance Studies Initiative at University of Massachusetts, Amherst, where he is endowed chair in the study of nonviolent direct action and civil resistance. Stalin is also active in War Resisters International. You can find out more about War Resisters International at wri.irg.org. One last question for you, Stalin, and as we do with all of our guests, I promise our final question is what we call the question from hell, the question we hate to ask, you might hate to answer, or our audience is going to hate your response. You write, to be sure, Zadista's endeavor to and express support for diverse struggles from Rojava to Palestine, and they embrace undocumented migrants from North and Sub-Saharan Africa. But in our assessment, there is much work to be done in terms of actively undermining white privilege and whiteness more broadly. So, Stellan, my question from hell for you is, how much of a threat is whiteness and white supremacy and privilege to the left? Because those are sentiments Usually associated with the right And I think I'm afraid that the left may have blinders When it comes to that whiteness So how much of a threat is whiteness
2: and white supremacy
0: And privilege to the left?
2: I think it's um, at the core um, Because um, we find how the uh, uh, the white privilege uh, And races has been used not only to um, Legitimize uh, colonial exploitation and genocide uh, of other people, non-white. But it's also been used to control the the working class um, and to make sure that even exploited white workers are feeling somewhat uh, privileged and above um, the black and people of color that are workers. So. Um, We can also see that Marx uh, never really took uh, colonialism or race particularly uh, important in his critique of capitalism. Um, So it's been typically seen as if you abolish capitalism, uh, which is the the pet project uh, of of the the left, uh, then you solve everything else. But the thing is, patriarchy is older than capitalism, and and race is is its own system. Um, So, yeah, absolutely, Um, white privilege is at the core of any kind of of radical change of this planet, which we cannot forget. The majority of this planet, of humankind, is people of color. So, who is going to make a a, a, a radical change and create socialism that is a white project? That's going to be a new privileged project if that's happening.
0: Stellan, this is absolutely fantastic work. Your writing is really fantastic. The work that you did with Farine is just... It really, really opened my mind to the Zad again. I'm really glad that we had you back on the show. So uh, thank you very much for being on with us today. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Shaq. It's been been my privilege to uh, take part.
0: All right. And I'm going to be annoying you in the future to have you back on the show, sir.
2: You're welcome. All
0: right. Thank you. Another end of the world is possible. This is... Hell, if that conversation with Stone Vintagen was in some way enlightening to the point of deprogramming you from a previous belief or understanding you may have had or made you feel more educated or to realize that, yes, this really is hell. Show your appreciation by either becoming a subscriber to our weekly bonus Friday podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash this is hell or go to this is and click on support and see all the ways you can contribute to completely listener supported. This is hell. Remember, without you, we got nothing. So thanks for your support. Egon, please remind our listeners what's this week's question from hell and tell us how they are responding.
1: So this week's question from hell is what is Bill Gates going to do with the 269,000 acres of U.S. farmland?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nobody has answered grow weed yet so i'm waiting for that one your mom we already got that one so let's see
1: oh well uh you know hold on to your butts. <laughs> exactly I, I think you think you've got some uh, happiness coming right. your way um so for this week's question from hell what is bill gates going to do with his 269,000 acres of u.s farmlands marco g says a self-sustaining eco-friendly bunker <laughs> jesus Krimsky K says, don't know, but we can watch from our windows. Yikes. Martin S. Yikes. Here, here we go, Chuck. Martin S. says, grow bud for Canada. <laughs> which sounds like a campaign slogan.
0: It does. <laughs> grow bud for, for Canada. For some guy named Bud, by the way.
1: Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, let's see. George M. says, rent it out while he sits on it until it appreciates about 100 times in value. <laughs> which honestly. It's, it's probably exactly <laughs> what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Pete V. uh, ambiguously says, cardigans. I don't know what that means either. I don't don't either. I think he wears a lot of cardigans, (laughs) though, so maybe that's it. Yeah, he's just keeping his supply up. Yeah. Let's see. uh, What will Bill Gates do with his 269,000 acres of American farmland? Joshua C.B. says, pry his virgin entourage away from the contrails of nuclear spy planes. (laughs) Okay.
0: Pound trails is always a winner.
1: Yeah, always. Uh, always, always in the running. <laughs> Jules R says, many, many baseball diamonds. <laughs> because if you build oh, it. Oh, God. Uh, I'm just going to let that fade yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Matt M says, grow dope. <laughs> We're all coming around. Yeah, they're all coming around. I figured that was going to happen. Uh, Ronaldo M says, fava beans for pasta fazool. <laughs> Jesus and uh, I will leave you with this from Luke H uh, who answers what will Bill Gates do with his 269,000 acres of U.S. farmland same thing he tries to do every day Pinky for the Animadiac ex- oh, fans yeah, that's out there. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. hmm mm-hmm. <sighs> And also, uh, to answer your question from earlier, the Shape Note music we started the episode with was the Alabama Sacred Harp Singers. Oh, okay. Just in case you were curious.
0: Yeah. Sounds like good car-driving music. We'll have the rest of your answers to this week's Question from Hell on tomorrow's show, following Jeff Dorchin and the Moment of Truth. This week, Jeff identifies an heinous example of missing white woman syndrome derangement syndrome so As this is Egon's last day Of running the board here We are looking for new volunteer board operators To join our staff here on This Is Hell If you're interested in running the board As Jess and Egon and Richard and Alex do Email me at Chuck at com If you'd like to join us here on This Is Hell Email me at Chuck at com. We're looking for people who can run the board Anywhere from once a week here at our studio Above Carrie's Lounge, 2251 West of With shows beginning at 10am Monday through Friday However, we are very flexible And if you can only do it a couple of times a month... We can work with your schedule This is your opportunity to have access to A professional studio for your own Projects. This position does Come with a modest stipend, so keep that In mind as well. If you are interested in becoming A board operator here on This Is Hell, email Me at chuckatthisishell.com chuckatthisishell.com And we'll, you know, set up A time where we can give you a tour of the studio And we can start getting you trained up And uh, have you start working as A board operator as Egon has been Working on the show for several months now Egon, who is on tomorrow's Wednesday's live one-hour show at 10 a.m. Chicago time, right here at thisishell.com.
1: Tomorrow, we will have journalist Michael Hudson on the Pandora Papers leak and investigation. And plus, of course, we have Jeff Dorchin's Moment of Truth, which I'm going to give it a shot All to right. just because it's right. so hard to say. It is. Uh, Jeff Dorchin in his Moment of Truth, Missing White Women Syndrome Derangement Syndrome.
0: It's that second syndrome that gets me. We got another guest suggestion at Chuck at com. Kinda Not really Someone referring to themselves as Critical Mass Writes to say Joseph Plummer Author of Tragedy and Hope 101 A summary of Tragedy and Hope By the history of uh, Carol Quigley About the history that efforts of Global elites to create a worldwide Oligarchic technocracy The illusion of democracy and how they use The media think tanks and corrupted Bipartisan politicians to achieve their goals To be honest, I haven't finished Reading this book, but so far it's been Really good. Keep up the good work, your show is Great. If I was able to contribute Money, I would, but my financial situation Has been dire lately Sincerely, Critical Mass Well, apparently Critical Mass had Read the rest of the book as they now write Joseph Plummer's Book, Tragedy and Hope 101 Well, it took a right wing Turn I must rescind my recommendation Can't go wrong with Thomas Frank Author of Listen Liberal and the People Know Thanks for the suggestion And more importantly Critical Mass Whoever you are Thank you for rescinding that suggestion And everyone can go to thisishell.com And listen to conversations with Thomas Frank On both those books All you have to do is search on Thomas Frank's name I got emails from the listeners Who were visiting Chicago From Colorado's Colorado Springs Karen and Anth. Who I hung out with a couple weekends ago Karen writes Hey Chuck, just wanted to thank you again For taking the time to meet us when we were in town The whole evening really meant a lot to me And you and Pete and Carrie's were even better than I thought it could be Really solidifies how special the This Is Hell community really is Hopefully we will be back someday at one of them listener shindigs And meet more of the crew We tried to see if we could swing a trip in June or July, whenever it was when Jeff Dorchin was in town for the reading of Moments of Truth at Carrie's Lounge, but also could not make it work out. However, he is on my list. You can warn him. Or not. Have a good one. Karen and Anth writes, hey Chuck, I couldn't imagine the board at Northwestern's former studios that you described. I could not imagine dealing with working at the Chicago local Fox News affiliate at the time that you did. Your new studio above carries is, I'm just say just say something, Sprinkles, but let's just say it's anthused a superlative. Whoever did the sound dampening in your studio is genius. Thank you for taking the time to have a drink with us and BS about stuff. I wouldn't have found half the people, events, movements, etc. without listening to your broadcasts. I sent Pete an email thanking him for being so gracious. You are a true gentleman. Thank you for the shot of Malort. Sincerely, Anthony. Thanks, uh, Anthony. And I'll let that insult about me being a gentleman slide. And although we cannot all get together just yet due to the pandemic, if you are from out of town and visiting Chicago, shoot me an email at at chuckatthisishell.com and maybe... Just maybe we can hang out in a socially distanced, masked in outdoor fashion. I'm your bitter, blind, broke, gap radio show, podcast, live streaming host, Chuck Mertz. Producing today's show, Egon Sheely, Egon, it has been a pleasure working with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. When did you start, anyway?
1: When did I start? Uh, July. Jen? Was it July? Uh, it was over the summer. That's yeah. all I know. Um, But it has been a pleasure, an honor, and a privilege, Chuck. And honestly, to all you out there listening right now, if you've got the time, it's so much fun. It's so worth it. And uh, your your out-of-town guests from Colorado are so right. The studio is so cool. So um, definitely send your emails and uh, share the privilege that I had.
0: This is a full-time job you're leaving for. So wait, uh, when was the last time you had a regular full-time job?
1: I've been freelancing for about seven years. Wow. And it's probably taken seven years of my life. So, (laughs) you know.
0: Funny funny how that works out. It
1: is. It is. It just doubles it.
0: So thanks to activist scholar Stellan Vintagen, co-author of the Roar Magazine article, The Zad, Between Utopian Radicalism and Negotiated Pragmatism. Stellan co-wrote this work with Farine Parvez. You can follow Stellan on Twitter at S. Vintagen. That's S-V-I-N-T-H-A-G. Thanks to Egon for running the board for the last several months. Thanks to Alexander Jerry for producing. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to you for listening. We told you so. This is hell.
2: My demon is on my butt. Uh. My demon talks to me in profanity like a sailor. Uh. And my demon tries to knock me down. And my demon tries to put me on a hell ride.